0: From lockdown and everything, my faith journey series, and we've had a few this more, a few already, and we've got a few more to come. And this morning we have um, Callum and Fee. So Callum and Fee, why don't you come on up, grab your grab your hot seat. Let's give them a big round of applause. We've got to climb into our chairs. That's it. Now, um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, get settled in. They all—they look pretty good, eh? I can see
1: one smiling face. There we go. Yeah. yeah
0: three. There we go. A few more. Hey, so um I just wanted to to introduce Callum and Fee to you all. They're actually quite new to the area, especially by Walkworth standards. They're positively immigrants really by Walker standards um, and so but but and it's one of the things that I really of, of all of the couples that are, are going to be I'm um, sharing in this series these guys are the ones we know the least um, and so for me that's actually uh, quite exciting I think it's quite neat um, that we can all sort of get to know Kellerman fee a little bit more together, and I know we had some dinner this week just to sort of go over some of the questions and stuff. See, another reason why just say yes to me normally always involves really good food that I will pay for. So just putting it out there, just future future things. Hey, it was pretty decent food, wasn't it? Yeah, great. Right. Um, and so, so really... It is, it is just really, for me personally, a great privilege to sort of what, what's going to happen and these guys are going to share, share their stories as well. But I thought, why don't you do um, maybe something, a little bit of something that we may not know about you or something that you'd like to introduce yourselves a little bit to the rest of us.
2: Okay, tēnā Tato katoa. It's great to be here with you. And I didn't know that about this place, that it, the meaning so, we moved here 10 months ago from Mangere Bridge down in the city, and um, we were happy down there. But Callum got a job in Walkworth. Um, we have got, um, well, I was born and raised in Wellington and then moved to Auckland. Um, grew up in Tearitu Peninsula as a teenager. Woo! Yeah, shout out <laughs> for the Westies. Um, and um, I am the youngest of four children. My dad was a pastor, my mum was a deaconess. Um, and we have three adult children, and two in-laws, and three mokopuna. Um, yeah.
1: Okay, and you said I'm a funeral director and Umbama here in Walkworth, with <laughs> Jason Morrison. But I've also been a, a scientist, a food technologist, a pastor, a teacher, quality control manager, and I speak Mandarin, as does Fiona. Um, <laughs> But one thing you won't know is that I found this lovely woman here right next to me on Fitz Ur- Fitzherbert Avenue in Palmerston North hitchhiking. <laughs>
2: yeah. Don't do that, people. <laughs> Forty years ago.
1: <laughs> and that, w- that was a good thing. <laughs> The best pickup ever, right? <laughs> yeah.
2: and I've been telling them where to go ever since. Yeah, yeah, there you go, I love it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>
0: Wonderful. Hey, so if you haven't been part of the series before, what I've done is sort of email these guys. Um, really, some really big open-ended kind of questions just to sort of get their, um, their thinking happening and just sort of sort of which ones might spark a bit of um, like, oh yeah, that's, a, that's something that's definitely made sense. And so in our meeting together, we kind of um, sort of went over some. So we're gonna kind of briefly go through some of the ones that um, you would have heard other people ask already and then, and then some new questions as well. And one of them that I always really loved is that idea, that sense of we really one of the big whys behind this faith journey series is, is really a pastoral care encounter that Angela and I had had with someone who was going through a really, really difficult or is going through a really, really difficult time. And the sense that they were feeling so guilty about feeling really angry and disappointed with God. And it and it just it, it broke my heart because I felt like God wanted your anger and disappointment, for you to bring your anger and disappointment to Him, is the most appropriate thing we could do. do you know, in, in moments like that. And it was a, it was a, a desire for us, or for, for as a church, that we continue to lean into what it is to be a follower of Jesus or to outwork our faith journey in a really real way. And, and really, don't trust anyone who tries to tell you their faith journey or their story that doesn't include challenges and hardship if it doesn't they're honestly not worth listening to Mm -hmm. like that sounds really harsh but it's really true that all of us or have a faith, if you have any length of time, your faith journey story is going to include hardship and challenge. And so one of the questions we had on there was, uh, describe one of the greatest challenges you've faced and how has that challenge um, affected or influenced your faith journey? And I know, Fee, you've got, you've got a great um, yeah. answer to that. Well, well, you both do, actually. Yeah, you? yeah. we do.
2: Um, I guess for me, there's been... I mean. I don't know about all of you but I mean leaving home at 17 and going to university was really hard Um, and then getting married and getting used to living with another person was really hard and having babies was you know the joys and and sorrows and all of it but um, probably more recently though not really recent but um, our brother-in-law was murdered that was a big big thing for us and at the time I was reading the book The Shack and um, I couldn't read it anymore because I was so angry and so confused and why had a 44 year old's life been, you know snuffed out like that and even though we have the hope of eternity there's so many layers to grief and everything and um, then my best friend just shortly after that um, she died with a brain tumor she had a 22 month journey with that and she was 55 and um, there's just been other things and I know some of the other people who've shared touched on those things and those things really break you and um, as you shared before if you allow those unpleasant feelings you say hello to them and you you grow through those so um, I guess that was a big big things for me and you're in shock a long time and um, I think what helped me um, about eight years ago was we, we were on Great Barrier Island and Paul Young who wrote the book The Shack shared about why he wrote it and his insights and and that really helped me because I was stuck in a point of um, forgiveness and that related to the fact of the perpetrator, the person who like murdered my our brother-in-law and having to let go of the forgiveness and the desire for revenge and um, The turning point, I guess, was that everyone is created in the image of God. And I knew about God's grace and everything, but it was that personal, it's not for me to to judge. Yes, there's consequences for every choice that's made, but to let go of that desire for revenge. And um, yeah. Yeah.
1: I'll share something about that too, a bit more perhaps. Apart from, um, I've had a few difficult experiences, apart from my brother in law being murdered. That was Austin, um, 2008. In 2004, we were um, <clears throat> on the water in Thailand when a big tsunami came through that killed a hundred, several hundred thousand people in Sumatra and quite a few people in Thailand. And, but we were fortunate, we were on the water. So we just went up and down and all a little bit and sideways um, spun and spun around. --'m oh, sorry, before that 1999, we we're in Taiwan, where we lived for um, 16 years. And um, within a 50- kilometer radius of us, there was a, this earthquake affected people. Two and a half thousand people died. 10,000 people were injured, and 100,000 people were made homeless just around where we were living. So that was quite big. Um, and actually as I, this is an aside now as I thought about that I wondered why we were still living and uh, other people weren't mm. and I thought to myself did God protect us then I thought well why didn't he protect those other believers those other people whether they're believers or not mm. and so I came to the conclusion really that he didn't in particularly protect us and I still don't know really what happened there Um, But here we are still, so that's good. (laughs) Um, But something that actually in many ways affected me more deeply um, was even before that, back in uh, 1989. But I I just want to give a little bit of background to this story because um, I was born in Southland, Gore, is where I grew up. Oh, some more, more South Islanders go. here, good. <laughs> yeah. um, and, that's a, 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 and I had a wonderful experience at an Easter camp at Pukarau near Gore. Uh, and I just felt in a prayer time that God loved me. Or just, just had this overwhelming experience that he loved me so much and accepted me. And, um, and I wanted to tell everyone about that. I wanted to be able to share that love with people. And probably because I was in this Evangelical Presbyterian Church that really encouraged missionaries, I thought, I'll be a missionary too and I'll share that love with other people. So years later, um, after having married Fiona, we went to uh, what is now called Laidlaw College in preparation for missionary service. And um, one night I was sitting in the office where I was studying Koine Greek, trying to read the New Testament in that language, and I was crying, just just sobbing, um, because it still hurts. Um, because our marriage was about to finish. Um, Fiona, at that stage, hated me, um, and and I didn't know what to do, I, um, so I was crying and that went on for some time, not just a few days, weeks, um, I managed to do the exam a bit later but, but, um, and pass it too, but that's an aside too <laughs> um, and, and I tried everything in our marriage. I tried to love her as much as I could, do all sorts of things that would show my love for her. But the more I did, the more she hated me, I think. And it uh, got to a point where actually I just felt like, um, even though I prayed so much that God would help, I just gave up. I said, well, this is the end. I just said, there's nothing more I can do. It's like, it's almost like I died went right down right down there into the pit I didn't even know if God existed anymore wasn't sure and gave up I was still fighting I said I I was going to keep my children because we had two at that stage and um, just gave up Um,
2: maybe I could segue in here Um, we got married quite young I was 19 and Callum was 23 and a couple of years into marriage, we had our first child and and then our second child was born. And there'd been a lot of change and we had very different backgrounds in lots of ways. I'd married into a, a family where they drank and smoked and I was brought up totally teetotaler. The ways they resolved conflict were different. And we had a happy marriage, but we didn't have good conflict resolution. And so what happened when Callum resigned from a very promising career as a food technologist and I went back to work part-time as a social worker at Green Lane Hospital, there was just a lot of stress, and stress can do, um, you know, harsh things. And um, so it wasn't, it was sort of a gradual thing where we grew apart, and we were good parents, but we just lost our friendship in the mix of it all, and I'm sure that resonates with, a lot of you and we were fortunate enough that we did get marriage counselling. We went to a beautiful pa- um, Patrick, a beautiful Catholic man, who just told us, "I'm not going to tell you that you have to stay married," he said, "but I can give you some tools for your Katie to help you." And so we're we're fortunate. That was 31 years ago. Um, so I'm really thankful that I wasn't, wasn't. I didn't get an instant love for my husband again. It was just a growing friendship, our, we got some tools to listen to each other, which is what we've been doing in growing healthy relationships, and we learnt that stuff back then about really listening to each other, um, I'm an ENF. ENFJ, um, Callum's an ISTJ, if you know your Myers-Briggs, We're, we see the world through different lenses, so we can clash quite easily, even now, but um, we've learnt to respect one another and listen to one another. Um, yeah, so then we carried on at um, Theological College for a couple more years, didn't we? We did. I just yeah. want to
1: finish off, though. For me, that was, a, that was a death, but a resurrection came later. And life seems to be like that, doesn't it? Full of deaths and resurrections and cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, the wonderf- that was probably the, one of the worst experiences in my life, but also the best, because we learnt so much. I learnt so much about myself. I learned so much more about Fiona as the years went by and we discovered how to, uh, how to love each other properly.
2: Can so, I just so, say and, something and, else? And
1: also, I, no, one more thing. Yeah. <coughs> I, I, one of the things I realised was that I was so judgmental. Mm. And, and, and um, now if I, if I ever meet a couple that's going through any kind of problem or if they, if they want to s- separate, I can totally understand why. Mm. And I'll never, ever um, judge a, in a negative way a couple for anything like that. Mm. That, was a, that was a good growing thing for me.
2: Just to be vulnerable here too, to, for you to understand, while we were going through this time of not getting on well, especially in the second half of that first year at Bible college, um, I developed some like romantic, emotional attachments to other men I was working with. Nothing ever happened, but just to, to say that, you know, you really have to guard your mind and emotionally, um, I wish, Probably um, that I'd maybe gone to someone sooner and understood that it's okay to be attracted to other people, but it's what you do with it. And um, I guess my big push here is if you're struggling in an area like that and you're married and in committed relation, do ask for help. Because there's nothing new under the sun. And you know, there's a myth of the greener grass. The grass always looks greener over the septic tank. <laughs> Everyone's got their baggage, you know. So, I just encourage you to, to go to someone for help, really. Yeah.
0: I'm sorry. That has got to be the quote of 2020. Like, <laughs> sorry. Like, wow, that's brilliant. I've never heard that before, I'm going to use it all the time. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Hey um one of the things I'd really love in this um, in this well, of these questions I always think it's so important of the questions that we've sort of included in this series is this idea of for all of us in our journey we've we've either through through really difficult times or through you know whatever whatever you know maybe your story is. we all carry with us wisdom then of of things that we've learned and it's for me personally it's always one of the things I most love to encounter or hear from other people is this idea of you know what wisdom you know do you have that you'd love to share with someone else maybe who's on an on an earlier stage and these guys have already shared it anyway but um they had some really great answers or or sort of from an earlier stage or even what kind of what would you love to have known say back then um that, that you'd look back and see and, and fiona i know you have a a great one of just really experiencing god in in the dark you know mm.
2: Yeah, I guess I would have been helpful if someone really explained to me that we are wired for strength and we're wired for struggle. I think Brene Brown says that. You know, life is full of hard, hard times and joy times. And if you're not in the hard time, someone in your family is or someone in your neighborhood is. And so we're on this journey of life together. But As Callum said, we met at university and he picked me up hitchhiking, and part of our attraction to each other was our faith attraction, because we were both interested in serving God cross-culturally internationally, and um, so we went to Taiwan with three young children in 1994, and we'd only been there two weeks, and we were going to language school, and I just started crying. I just sit in class, and I'd be crying, and... It was really hard. And basically, I entered a period of like real culture shock. And I'd been in Asia before. My parents had lived, lived in Kuala Lumpur for eight years and I traveled. But it's really different when it's like you've made this commitment for a length of time and you're living in this shitty house, <laughs> this apartment, and this dog crap and bikes and there's cockroaches and ants, though you do get those in Maharangi, I must yeah, say, yeah. <laughs> but way more. And the heat, and but just being in language school again, and our youngest son was two, and I just entered into like a real depression. And I had had a bit of depression in the past, but nothing like this. And um, we had good support around us, and I did use like medication for four years off and on to help me through that time. Um, from 94 to 98 and um, but what I learned through that is, is he, it was in the song this morning even when you don't feel it God is with you you know and and um, at the end of Matthew he says I am surely I'm with you to the end of the age and I, I'm a bit of a dreamer a bit of a romantic but when I say dreamer I do have dreams and I did have a dream um, at that around that time of being in an airplane and all the turbulence and the bags were falling down and just that scripture came to me, you know, I will never leave you or forsake you. So whatever you're facing to, to cling to that and not rely on your feelings, especially if you are a feeler. Um, the other thing that um, happened was a couple of years after we'd been in Taiwan my nana died and suddenly I was back in New Zealand for a funeral and when we went back when I went back again to Callum and the two older kids I my anxiety resurfaced again it was so annoying I don't know if it, some of you who've journeyed with depression and when you feel like you're just doing fine and then you know you go down again Uh, but then I had some counselling at that time which I hadn't had and the things that were identified were fear of failure and performance anxiety and I mean I've social work counselling background but when it's you going through it and you're the one getting the anxiety and the panic attacks it's really scary and um, it was just a slow journey really of recovery but that's why when things get too much for me I've Like I've been running a couple of years now because um, more recently um, my parents both died with a slow journey with dementia and it was just so hard being on that journey with them. So I encourage you to get active um, as well as talk to people, as well as pray, as well as sing, as well as eat well. But, um, yeah.
1: Can I share some wisdom too? Yeah, (laughs) totally. Um, I think one of the things I would have liked a young person or if I'd been a younger person someone to tell me would be that um, you you know uh, find a friend find uh, maybe an older person not necessarily older in the the faith but just older who's been around a bit because when you you have issues um, you tend to think that you're the only one and no one else has issues like I would have um, but it's not true we all know that probably that we're all just about all the same. We all have the same kinds of issues and struggles and just to been if I'd been able to offload some of those and share some of those with someone else, it would have been really helpful for me but i think I think the one of the things that I've discovered more recently is um is a real freedom um, and and it's come through. Um, in the last or oh, seven years, I've been struggling, as my faith has been pulled apart, and I'm putting it back, back together again now. But it's not a very easy journey, and part of pulling it apart has become being much more open-minded. And I've and I've decided that I'm not going to be dualistic. Now, when you think of dualistic, you 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 think of being uh, well very often black and white uh, often people who are black and white are very judgmental like me or very competitive like me um, <laughs> right and wrong I'm always right
0: I uh, <laughs> um, just said you were wrong
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so that's, that's, that's the kind of thinking that ju- is dualistic type thinking or in or out is the other part of it, in here or out there. Um, saved or not saved. And I, I've I, uh, decided, to, like many others in the church who we were going to, to put away that kind of thinking and to start thinking about my faith journey as a journey, just a journey. And other people, I look around here or out there, are also on a faith journey. They might be at a different stage to me but they're still on, and they may not know they're on a faith journey, but they're on a faith journey. We all are in some way or other. And, and the freeing thing about that for me was that I, instead of having to share my faith with words with those other people, I just had to be me, just me. And then the exciting part for me has been as I meet people, and I get to meet all sorts of people, I'm really lucky, um, because when they, cause I'm a funeral director, and they come in and they're really, really... I don't know
0: many of us would agree with that statement. <laughs> you're really lucky because you're a funeral director. I don't, I don't think many of us would feel... <laughs> so I,
1: get to, I, get, I get to meet people who are a little bit vulnerable. And it's easier to see into people see them as they really are when they're a bit vulnerable. And you know what I discover? I discover that everyone in some way is made in the image of God. And I can see a little bit of that image... In each person, and that's quite exciting for me to see how God has made and to see a little bit of that, if you like God, in that person. And as you discover that, that um, that's just exciting. And for me to see people like that rather than in or out has actually been really, really, really freeing because it means I can just be me and I don't have a big burden on my shoulders that, that makes me someone else that I don't really want to be. And I can just relax and enjoy everyone. Because sometimes I think when we see people who aren't part of our fellowship, um, and we're trying to win them in, and we we just don't respect them as much. And and people can see that. People can see that we really don't love them actually, even though we might say we do. But when we respect each other and think that we're all all the same in many ways, then. We can really, we can really love them, I think, and they can, they can sense that, and in a way that is, isn't that really preaching the gospel? But anyway, so that's been freeing for me, and I've, I've, that's been wonderful. Um, The other, other wee thing I wanted just to share on this is that I'm like Fiona. um, I, I I enjoy being fit, and, and um, it's sort of, I've been in a CrossFit. A um, box or a gym before I came here for, uh, in, in Mungari, and um, the the apart from getting stronger and and um, being able to do lots of pull-ups and push-ups and and, and lift he- really heavy weights, uh, I've been able to put on quite a bit of muscle. Um, that that's kind of an aside. Actually, it's good to be physically fit, but the the thing that I discovered was that. When I was in this box, um, that's another word for Jim, there were uh, our leaders, our main leaders, he was Samoan, she was Tongan, there were people from the Cook Islands, there were Māori folk there, there were uh, people from the Philippines, there were a few Palangis like me, and there were old people, not many, young people there were um, people who were heterosexual, there were people who were homosexual, there were um, all sorts. And one of the good things about CrossFit is that you are encouraged to unconditionally accept everyone, and to encourage everyone. And that's what we did. No matter who you were, you were accepted and encouraged in that place. It didn't matter what, fa- oh, one of my favourite workout friends was a Scottish Muslim white man, um, but no matter who you were, you worked, you, you encouraged each other, and unfortunately, that, that particular box had to close. But a, and at the farewell, one of the um, um, one of the woman from my, I won't say who she was, um, but she was from a different cunt culture and a different sexual orientation to me, and she got up and she thanked. Uh, everyone because she'd been suicidal and it was just that CrossFit box that had saved her life full of people who were encouraging and unconditionally accepting and I began to think was this my church (laughs) or is this church here and then I thought oh that's dualistic thinking again isn't it (laughs) one or the other it's we 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 just we just we don't have to have church here we we have we just who we are everywhere and god if you look hard enough he works in all sorts of wonderful ways all you have to do is look and then you, then you can find him mm.
0: wonderful thank you um fee you fee um had a wonderful one of the questions i had put in, put in there was how 2020 had influenced your um your faith either your faith journey or particularly your practices and fee you had a great um practice that you sort of embraced right right at the beginning wasn't a yeah. block of, yeah. l- of level four
2: um so i was working as a foster parent social worker when the lockdown came down and i worked from home for a bit but then i realized i actually don't want to be a social worker and i didn't renew my contract so that I could have more silence and listen more and be quiet but I had a book out of the library I get you know I have that Libby app where you can borrow books and it was called Embracing Uncertainty by Dr Susan Jeffers she's written another good book called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway which really helped me when I was depressed in Taiwan but um, the whole thing about I mean you don't need to agree with everything in the book isn't that true you read so many books and there's so much out there you can glean though but the whole thing about embracing uncertainty t- was to live at a point of more in wonder. I wonder if that will happen. Ah, I wonder. And it just sort of helped me, because I know there were a lot of people that were stressed out by the lockdown, but I was, oh, I wonder when it'll end. And um, Also, we just moved up here. Goodness me, maharangi matakana, to be locked down here, people. <laughs> Seriously. You know? So much to be thankful for and grateful for. Um, so that whole thing too, and if you're a worrier, which I can be, um, when you find yourself worrying, she has this tip to say, okay, I'll worry about that tomorrow. And then when you get to tomorrow, say, well, I'll worry about that tomorrow. And then when you get to Wednesday, oh, I'll worry about that tomorrow, and just mentally switch it. Just And apparently when you don't ignore unpleasant feelings and you say hello to them, Then they don't keep sort of tsunamiing over you all the time, you know. So that was. um, And also, another book I just read was called The Choice, not the one by Nicholas Sparks, though that's quite good too, um, but the one by Dr. Edith Eva Edgar. Oh my, she survived. um, Yeah, wow, seriously, so many gems in that book. And that's another thing we were talking about on uh, Wednesday night. You know, I see my faith a lot more like a big diamond and and um, Holy Spirit or tapu and God shining and, and turning and I have a lot of aha moments. I never thought about it that way, you know. And um, there's a freedom when you are just not, Oh, I've got to do my quiet time, I've got to do my Bible study, I've got to get to church, I've got to tithe, I've got to evangelize, and I think I was someone who always felt I had to be doing those things. Well, they're good things in their own sense, but if that defines you, if that's what you think makes you good, hello. You are loved with a love that is beyond comprehension. And I I just wanna say that you are loved so deeply by God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I just want to encourage some of you that are so busy just to be silent, be still, and let God love you. I came back from my run this morning, and I was just having breakfast in the kitchen, and a tui came and just was on the branch right there outside the kitchen window, just saying, Good morning, Fee." And just that encouragement, again, that you are loved. And God's given us the big book of creation to speak to us as well as his word of truth. But then we have to be careful with his word of truth, too, because it's written by real people in a real time. And it's a collection of books, but sometimes we can take that out of context. and. Actually, in one of the songs this morning, we were singing, um, you know, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. And we often don't go to the next verse. And God did not send His Son to judge the world or condemn the world. And that was Nicodemus who went in the night to Jesus in the night because he was scared of being seen and that was a man who was a Pharisee and they had a lot of rules, right? And I've had a lot of rules in my life and growing up as a Presbyterian minister's daughter and deaconess's daughter and I just want to encourage you and if you've got a lot of rules you are not condemned, you are loved and you are not judged and if you're wrestling with secrets please talk to somebody and try and yeah, live more in wonder and ah, okay, I wonder I wonder what will happen Sorry, no, I'm.
0: no, don't be sorry. Um, yeah. Well, do either? Do you have anything else to that you'd like to share? We've got like a few more minutes. Otherwise, we can stand and and pray. And but I just wanted to. Um,
2: can I just add on something? Here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just yeah. thinking. I, also, the whole thing about being kind to yourself. Um, a few years ago, I was struggling because my mum was dying so slowly. I had a co-worker who was irritable, and I had a. Older brother who was toxic, and I went to have some counselling, and my counsellor really encouraged me to to be a compassionate observer to myself and to be kind to myself. And she actually asked me, "What would you say to you?" Because I was beating myself up so much and condemning myself so much. So, um, and also just remember, you you asked a question about what would you say to young people. I want to say, I wish someone had said to me when I was an awkward teenager with acne (laughs) that you're enough and you don't need fixing and you're welcome at the table of Christ, you know, and we need to be saying that to the people in our community, you're welcome build a bigger table of love, and it's great what Springboard is doing. I mean, that's so encouraging, and um, I know that others of you are serving in, in different ways just through any job that you do, loving on your coworkers. Um, also, I wish someone had said to me there are different kinds of smarts. Um, I'm the youngest of four children, and I always felt I lived in the shadow of my older siblings, because they're all very capable in different ways, but that you're enough as you are, and because you are sensitive, That's not a weakness. Your sensitivity is a gift from God that makes you uh, compassionate and empathetic, right? And we need compassionate and empathetic people in the world. And then people like Callum, who are more black and white, we need them as well, because they keep people who are emotional, like me, in check. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, Also, I got a spiritual director, Who's just been amazing, Betty uh, Jude Prose. Um, I don't know if any of you know her. And also, journaling's been a big thing for me. But if the grandchildren are staying and I don't get to journal, it's okay, you know. And I want to say that to the young parents, especially if you've got kids and you're interrupted and you get broken sleep, and we do as grandparents now, helping out. You know, it's okay. And you're just you're just caring for your kids by and giving them a break, and that's. That's as unto God, too, through loving. Do
0: you want to add anything? No? Okay. Oh, good. You have a
1: minute. No. Um, Just one thing briefly then is um, I like to try and practice practice remembering that God's with me. Because sometimes I forget. And one of the ways I do that is if I'm out running and I come across a beautiful view out here, I just keep on looking at that view and thinking like i 'm in nature god 's here god 's with me, and or if i 'm doing the dishes like you know brother Lawrence, mm-hmm. um, you know practicing that God is god 's with me even even in those mundane tasks, one of the wee things that I try and do is sometimes we, we say grace or give thanks at meal times, sometimes we don't Does, I'm not, I'm not, I, you can do whatever you like, but one of the one of the things that I try and do is, is not so much give thanks but just think oh meal time God so you know as, as you enter into prayer you're obviously praying to God but it's another ch- way of reminding myself that God's here God's here he's always with me um, and for, for me um, something that's helped is just, the, just this contempl- idea of contemplation and stepping aside from the world and listening and trying to listen to God having open ears is pretty hard but sometimes you can I ask two questions sometimes who are you because I don't know who he is in fullness and who am I because even at 61 I'm still trying to figure out who I am wonderful why don't we stand brilliant way to
0: finish You know, one of the things I've said to each of the people that are doing this is the the point of these stories or for the sharing of stories is not for us to wrap up um, our faith journeys with lovely bows so we can put them on shelves. It's to remind ourselves over and over again that even the things that we have tried to wrap up and put in boxes, God isn't really wanting us to have those things in boxes. That so much of our journey is is alive and well and does best out in the open and wrestled with and have tension with and so um, thank you guys so much and I'm just going to pray. Father I thank you for Callum and Fee. God I thank you for the, the discipline. I thank you for the courage. I thank you for the generosity. Um, that they have given to each and every one of us to share part of their journey. Not, not even just the, the mountaintop moment stories, but, but everything in between. And so, God, I pray for each of us as we've listened and those things that have kind of almost gripped our heart or, or those things that have made us angry inside or made us worried inside. God, would you remind us that in those feelings there's something there that you'd love to talk to, you'd love to speak into and so we, and you'd love to heal and so so father throughout each throughout this morning god would you continue to the, the work that you've already done i thank you for the journey that callum and fee have had and continue to have with you and will have in the future and i thank you for each of our journeys with you and each of them are interlinked with you and with one another and god would you bless us with authentic kind loving, gracious journeys and stories. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wonderful.